Welcome to Atmosphere Church. My name is Jim Cruz and I'm the lead pastor. We're a new non-denominational life-giving church located in the Conejo Valley, just west of Los Angeles. Let me just say on behalf of all of us here at Atmosphere, thank you for downloading or streaming this service. We pray that it'll touch your heart and change your life. In addition to bringing you today's service, we wanna make ourselves available to you in any way we can. Please leave a comment if you need prayer or if you wanna speak with one of our leaders in any struggle that you may be facing right now, we will be sure to respond to anything you need in your life. Here at Atmosphere, we believe that we should never forsake the gathering together with other believers. Don't use this recorded service as your church experience. Get involved in the local church to the extent that the people there know you by name. If you live in the Southern California area, we would love to invite you to be a part of our community. For more information about our church, go to our official webpage at atmosphere.church. Finally, there's a lot of man hours that are put behind making services and resources like this available that are meant to help you grow and develop as a disciple of Jesus Christ. So if this service and our other resources bless you, would you consider giving back to Atmosphere Church to support not just these things, but to also support the creation of even more resources for you and really for others who are also desiring to grow in their faith. To make a financial donation, simply click on the link on our site that says donate and your gift of any amount is greatly appreciated. Remember, when you give to Atmosphere Church, you're actually giving through Atmosphere to change lives in our church in our city and literally around the world. We've already prayed for you that today's message would speak directly to your heart and empower you to live the life that God has called you to live. Enjoy the service. Thank you. Thanks guys. Well, well um this is on. We'll see how this goes. I got 30 minutes of sleep last night, so I'm like out of it. But I think the greatest things happen in delirium. Like some of the best moments in life happen when you're with your friends at like 3 a.m. and you don't know what's going on. Um, but yes, I've been on an Optimistic's book tour for the past six months, just basically living on airplanes. And so um, it's available after service. If you want to come get it, it's right back there. And the money doesn't go to me, by the way, when you buy a book. The royalties go right back into the ministry uh, of Hope Generation to continue to spread the message of hope. So what I want to do is share with you some of that content. And thank you so much for having me. You're, you, like, to see this in a year's time is insane. Like, you guys realize this isn't normal, right? Like, in one year, just, you're at a golf course living the dream. Like, this is sick. This is insane. So, turn with me to Romans 5, please. Romans 5. You guys doing good today? Yeah. Actually, you know what? We're, we will go to Romans 5. We're going to start in Romans 4, actually, and go to uh, verse 18. And what I really want you to keep your eyes peeled for is the word hope. Um... People commit suicide once every 40 seconds right now. I'm not okay with that. So my goal is to rampage and rage against despair. Rage, rage against the dying of the light, as Dylan Thomas said. There are 123 suicides every day in America. The suicide rate has increased by 33% nationally, CNN reported since 99. So an extra one out of every three people per capita will kill himself or kill themselves. And so... Because suicide is now one of the top 10 leading causes of death, like social activists are trying to cure AIDS. Medical scientists are trying to cure cancer, but we need some sacred optimists who are gonna cure the disease of suicide that is actually killing people. And I, I, really, I really believe this. I, I made a prophecy about this, 
and I believe I'm right, that in 10 years' time, suicide will no longer be the top, one of the top 10 leading causes of death. Like, I believe the Spirit of God is going to fall on all flesh so that young men will see visions, old men will dream dreams, maidens will prophesy, all men will know the Lord from the least to the greatest. I believe we're going to see a spiritual awakening in our generation where people rediscover the presence and find peace there. And so um, hope is a really, really big deal. It's, a big, it's no longer a sort of hot-button issue that if you can get around to it, it's a cherry on top of the cake, it's a bonus or a plus. Hope is something that is so um, needed in prevalence and prominence and preeminence in our generation today. And, and honestly, you can do with some more hope too. We all can. We all can. So let's take a look. Romans 4, verse uh, 18. And this is talking about Abraham. So it says, who, speaking of Abram, Abraham, contrary to hope, in hope believed, so that he became the father of many nations, according to what was spoken, so shall your descendants be. Now let's pause right there for just a moment. Um, Abram meant exalted father. Abraham meant father of many nations. Now what's interesting about that is it says that Abraham Ham is the father of many nations because the name of Yahweh is now introduced into his identity. So let me, let me explain to you what I mean. The letters YHWH are called the Tetragrammaton, the ineffable name. It's the name of God that has no vowels. It only has consonants. And the reason those consonants were chosen, the rabbis tell us, is because YHWH are the only con- did a Golf ball just hit. Oh, I was like, that's crazy. We better all be on our guard. Um, it's like, that's me. Like, I thought I was a bad golfer. Um, YHWH, those are the only consonants that when pronounced correctly, this is sick, watch this. The rabbis say that the, the tetrachromaton, YHWH, those are the only consonants that when pronounced correctly cannot be spoken with the lips closed nor with the tongue because it was meant to imitate and replicate breath. So it sounded like, I, that was a great response. I want to like record that and take that everywhere else I go. That was good. I feel good. Um, so YHWH, so it sounded like this. It was meant to imitate and replicate your breath. So you weren't supposed to speak the name of God. Did you know that? You were only supposed to breathe it. So Paul's in the Areopagus, Mars Hill, Athens, and he says, in God, we live and breathe and have our being to the unknown God. It's, it's interesting. The Bible says godliness with contentment is great gain. The word contentment in Greek, the word picture is used of a child in the arms of a dad and giving a little cute exhale. That's the actual Greek word picture Paul uses because it's the name of God. So um, I, I love it when atheists are like, let me explain to you through a priori, a posteriori, dialectic, didactic reasoning and logic that there is no God. Okay, here we go. Let my argument begin. <laughs> it's like cognitive dissonance, anyone. But, uh, but the, te- the, the name, it imitates and replicates breath. So the first word you ever spoke was actually straight out the mother's womb. And maybe you die not when you stop breathing. Maybe you die when you can no longer say the name of God. 
And when God sees, oh, the time on earth is done. They can no longer say my name. Time to whisk him away. Then that's when you breathe your last. You say your last word. I mean, I, I don't know about you, but I've always been like concerned about last words. Like Steve Jobs was, oh, wow, oh, wow, oh, wow. <laughs> like, that's your last thing you're ever going to say. It's the first thing you ever said. And everything in between, the dash in between your birthday and your death day, it's the name of God. And so the reason I think that's so beautiful is because a lot of people say, where is God? Where is he? Look at what's going on. Where is God? The answer. Listen, that question is like asking what shape is yellow? It's the wrong category. The question isn't where is God? The question is where, where isn't he? The Bible says in Psalm 139, where can I flee from his spirit? The word spirit is ruah. The word ruah is used in Genesis 1. Hello. In Genesis 1. <laughs> you weren't waving at me? I'm like, oh, I'll wave back. I'm down. <laughs> in Genesis 1, 30 minutes of sleep. You have no idea what's going on. I'm like, am I seeing things? Like, I don't know what's real right now. Um, <laughs> Genesis 1 says the, the spirit of God hovered over the waters. The word spirit is ruah. Okay, watch. In Greek, the word for spirit is pneuma. Ruah and pneuma can be translated one of two ways, either spirit or breath. In every major language, the word for spirit and breath are interchangeable. Same word. So um, watch this. This is sick. Jesus, how did he give the disciples the Holy Spirit in the book of John? He breathed on them. And when he breathed on them, he gave them the spirit because the spirit... Ruah, pneuma, can be breath or spirit. Same thing, Yahweh. So the psalmist says, where can I flee from your ruah, your breath, your spirit? If I send up to the heavens, you are there. If I dwell in the uttermost deeps of the sea, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning, you are there. If I dwell in Sheol, you are there. The question isn't where is God, where's God? The question is where isn't God? In other words, God is as close to you as your very breath. You know what one of my favorite questions is, because it's so crazy, is how do I get closer to God? I say, are you the temple for the Holy Spirit, like the Bible says? Yeah. Then that means the Spirit lives in you. Yeah. How can you get closer to a God who's living in you? Like, what do you mean, how can you get And that's what so many people, like, maybe you came to church today, you're like, I, I'm trying to get closer to God. That's not what it's about. It's not about, I'm, I'm going to behave to get saved. You just believe and receive. It's not, you can't do enough good things to get God. You can't do enough bad things to lose God. On your worst day with God, you're better off than on your best day without God. And when you're going through your worst, God's planning his best. And when the psalmist said, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And Jesus repeated that on the cross. It was called the day God became an atheist as a, a hyperbole. Like, where is God? We all go through. Even Jesus felt that on the cross. He wasn't just fulfilling prophecy. He was going through deep stuff. Where are you? And I want to tell you that God is as near to you as your very breath. That's the name Yahweh. I didn't even say that for service, but whatever. So Yahweh, so God sees, Ab watch this, God finds Abram, which means the father, the exalted father, names him Abraham. Because now he puts the consonants, the consonant, the, the name of Yahweh into his identity. So he goes from Abram to Abraham. Abram means exalted father. Abraham means father of many nations. And that's what our verse tells us. Our verse tells us in Romans 4.18 that 
Abraham became the father of many nations when, when God changed his name. And what I want to tell you is simply this. God is in you. He is with you. He is for you. He's not against you. When you kneel before him, he will stand up for you. And when he stands up for you, no one can stand against you. Abraham, in hope, contrary to hope, believed in hope that the promise would come. So for Abraham, it was that God would give him a baby. The problem was he was like 100 when he had a baby in the story. And and the year before the baby came, an angel told his wife, Sarah, that she was going to have a baby, but she was 89, so it says she laughed. And you would laugh too. Like if you're about to have a baby who wears diapers, eats mush, and has no teeth, you're 89, you're about to wear diapers, eat mush, and have no teeth. (laughs) And it's like, this is hilarious. Like you go to Walmart and you're like shopping for maternity clothes and you're like, can I, can I get maternity clothes? The, the clerk's like, how old are you? 89. Oh, so this is for your great-great-grandkid. No, I'm looking for maternity clothes for me. I'm expecting. It's like, you have a walker with the little tennis balls on them. How can you be expecting? And it says she laughed. She was like, this is hilarious. A year later in the story, God gives her a baby. What does God have the baby? What's the baby's name? Isaac. Does anyone know what Isaac means? Laughter. What's God saying? You, you laugh and make fun of me when I give you a promise? Who has the last laugh now, Sarah? I, I always get the last laugh. Wow, this is, this is more responsive, this one. Yeah, they slept in. They got more, they got more sleep. Wow. And so this whole, this whole thing that Paul's saying is like, the odds were not in his favor, unlike the Hunger Games. Like, the odds were not in his favor. Contrary to hope, he believed in hope. That's what you got to do. Like every time your circumstances say, contrary to hope, you say, I will believe in hope. That's what you got to do. So let's continue on. Romans 5 verse 1. Look down at your Bible at Romans 5 verse 1. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in hope. Isn't that a great phrase? Rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Verse three, and not only that, but we also glory in tribulations, knowing tribulation produces perseverance and perseverance, character and character, hope. Now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who is given to us. So Paul had a bad life. Like he was similar to Job only in the New Testament. He was beaten with rods, scourged with whips, spent a day and night at the deep. Was, he said, I'm in prison more frequently than any of these other apostles. He's like, I get canned more than tuna. I like live in these prisons. <laughs> he had anxiety over the churches. He got bit by a snake. They threw rocks at him and left him for dead. He went through some bad stuff. Some scholars believe his wife left him when he became a Christian. And he goes through all these perils and problems and troubles and trials and tribulations and tragedies. And... Um, He says, we glory in tribulation and we rejoice in hope. Why? Because tribulation produces perseverance. So when's the last time you gloried in tribulation and rejoiced in hope when things went bad? My girlfriend dumped me. Woo to the who? My voice cracked. I don't know why that happened. Maybe maybe it'll get lower. You never know. My car broke down. Thank you, God. Oh, shoot. I, I overdrafted again. You're so good, Lord. You're so good. 
a golf ball hits you on your way out from church. You're like, yes, Lord, thank you. When's, when's the last time you did that? I'm guessing you don't do that. I don't either. But by the power of the Ruah in us, we can do this. We can glory in tribulation. You say, why would I do that? Like, this is, in, this is insane. Glory in tribulation? You want me to tell you why? Navy SEALs. During Hell Week, 96 hours of sleep deprivation. If, if, they're, if they're awarded for good behavior, they get a 10-minute standing up nap. They then go to the Coronado Bay in San Diego, get hypothermia, and this is kind of gross, but whatever. They lock arms and hope that the guy next to them goes to the bathroom just to warm them up. Now, somebody who has hand sanitizer with me all the time, like, that's extreme. They're so cold. They're, they're, they're so sleep-deprived. They're carrying logs and doing moving push-ups. But do they say to the, to the commander, this is so hard. This is so hard. I just can't believe you're doing this to me. <laughs> he would say, ring the bell and go home. I'm going to speak from the heart on this one. What we don't need is people's pity. We need the Prince of Peace's power and his presence. We don't need pity parties. We need Navy SEAL Team 6, DEFCON 1, MI5, paratroopers, recon. We need like Green Beret, Marcus Luttrell, Chris Kyle, like American sniper, enduring hardships as good soldiers, the Bible says. That's what the, you know what the Bible doesn't say? Things are bad, pity party vibes. It says, when you endure hardship, do so as a good soldier. Warrior up. You have to fight for what you don't feel. Hello, everybody. Welcome to church. Fight. This is not a playground. This is a battleground. This isn't a cruise ship. This is a battleship. So I can tell you like, hey guys, welcome to church. Welcome to church. It's going to be unicorns shooting rainbows out of their eyes. It's going to rain jelly beans and Skittles. Life is robustly flavored donuts of fun. Like just think happier thoughts and things will be good. That's, that's truly not how life works. And you all know it. Like let's not pull the wool over. It, this, this isn't working for millennials anymore. Like we, in centennials, we, we, you see stuff. Like, ah. Here's what I'm saying to you. The stuff I'm talking to you about today, we have to fight for what we don't feel. Hope is a journey. Joy is a choice. Antonio Damasio, a neuroscientist, said that 95% of the time our feelings decide for us. Neuroscience tells us that we will opt for what feels good here and now rather than what we know will be advantageous and beneficial for us in the long run. So we will opt for what feels good 95% of the time, our feelings make our choices. And we make 35,000 choices every day. And we have 30,000 to 50,000 thoughts neurologically every day. Do you really want your thought life and your decisions to be driven by your emotions? Because let me tell you a little secret. Feelings lie. And so when, when you go through tribulation and your feelings are like, oh God, this is so bad. He's like, well, you're up. Well, you're up. Because that's the only way you're going to really do this thing well. That when you're on this mode of dust hurtling through a sunbeam at 67,000 miles per hour, and you're here maybe the average age is 79 years, what are you going to do with those years? you got to fight for something that matters. And, and here, here's what I'm saying. Every, why do we glory in tribulation? Because tribulation produces perseverance. Hell Week forges Navy SEALs. I don't want, Navy, I don't want the Navy SEALs going after Osama bin Laden if they haven't trained, if they haven't gone through hell. Like I love when they get, well, I don't love when they get shot. But I love when, like, their response, they don't react, they respond. When bullet, they'll get, their head's, like, shot. And their buddy says, how you doing? He's like, I'm solid. 
It's like your head's halfway off. I'm so, that, that, that's, you're going to go through stuff. In fact, I'm just going to jump cut here. When I was a kid, my sister was talking to my dad. And she said, dad, I'm never going to be able to marry anybody. I'm going to be single for the rest of my life. And my dad said, Are you gonna, why would you become a nun? And my sister replied, because you always tell me to marry somebody godlier than me, and I'm the godliest person I know. So <laughs> I'm, I'm alone in this. She was obviously joking, but very, very godly girl. The next day, she died in a car accident at 16. And my sister, Jessica, the, the way my family received the news is my brother came home and he said, Jessica has found her man. She found her man. The bride of Christ has finally found someone godlier than her. So my brother, who delivered that news, he died of cancer a few months ago. And we worked together and I lived a few minutes away from him. And um, when I was at his deathbed with my dad, we were crying, but a song came on the radio and it wasn't like a popular song. It was a random indie song from the 90s. And it happened to come on the radio. And the song was Take My Hand and Walk by a band called The Cry. And I started crying more when I heard that song because I looked at my dad at my brother's deathbed and my dad looked at me and through tears in his eyes, he said, do you know what this song is? I said, this is Jessica's song. This was the song that played at her memorial service. Every time I hear that song, it like takes me to that. So my brother hears this song and then he goes to heaven and joins my sister and, and their mom as well because my dad's first wife died in a car accident too in her 20s. So somebody messaged me on Instagram and said, your brother graduated and I love that imagery because the song is Take My Hand and Walk. Isaiah says, God will uphold you with his righteous right hand. I just picture God like taking my sister Jessica down the wedding aisle saying, you found your man as the bride of Christ. Taking my brother down the graduation aisle saying, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of the Lord. And like when you go through that kind of stuff, like for me, I went through 10 years of chronic depression where I was suicidal. I took up a knife to kill myself. And I went through a romantic heartbreak three years ago that made me think I'd never be happy again. You just go through stuff. I'm not telling you that to be a bleeding heart. I'm telling you that because people are impressed by your accomplishments, but they connect with your weaknesses. And I'm telling you, you don't have another choice. When you go through this stuff, like people joke about my family that we have the Kennedy, the course and curse. It's like, what, like what's next? Do you ever say like, come on? to God, like, you've got to be kidding. Can we have a break, please? But this is what I will tell you. God healed my broken heart. He did. I'm not saying there aren't days where you're just struggling, but he's given hope to my heart and my family. And if he could do it for me, and if he could do it for us, he can do it for you. That's the truth. I thought there was no hope. This is real. Paul says, Paul's not saying all things are good. Hear me loud and clear. The shooting that happened here a year ago, it's not good. Evil, pure evil. 
Not all things are good, but watch this. The promise is all things work together for the good. Because God's good. I don't know how. And in fact, if you go through suffering and somebody comes up to you and says, here's why you went through this, point A, point B, point C, I'd be very skeptical. I've had people, I remember when my dad's wife died in a car accident, somebody came up to him and said, I really relate to what you're going through. My dog just died. (laughs) And the Lord spoke to my dad. He said, hear her heart, not her words. She didn't mean that. Like, hear her heart. She's, She's trying to comfort you. Don't hear the words. But it's like, when you, when you go through stuff, you, you don't have any other choice. You have to fight and put on the armor. Put on armor. And that's what Paul's saying. Not all things are good, but all things work together for the good, because truly God's good. I'm, I, don't know why, when, when, I don't know why bad stuff happens to good people. But I do know crazy stuff happens when good people happen to bad things. And when people stop reacting and start responding and they say, pain will make me stronger. Tears will make me braver. Heartbreak will make me wiser. So I'm gonna thank my past for a better future. That's exactly what Paul's saying. He says, we rejoice in tribulation and glory in it. Why? Because tribulation produces perseverance. Perseverance produces character. Character produces hope. And this hope never makes ashamed. There's this beautiful verse. Um, it's one of my favorite in the book of Psalms. And it says that, that the Lord collects your tears in his, in his bottle. Are not all my tears collected in your bottle? You know what's really cool about that? In ancient Hebrew culture and Jewish consciousness, women, one of their most precious possessions was a tear bottle. So when they cried tears of gladness or tears of sadness, either way, they collected it in a tear bottle because they thought their tears were too precious to be wasted. When they got married, guess what they would do? they would give their tear bottle to their husband. And by doing that, it was a terribly romantic way of saying, I give you everything in my heart. The bad stuff, the hard stuff, the happy stuff, the grieving stuff, I give all of it to you. And so that tear bottle was a symbol of giving your husband your heart. So watch this. In all four gospels, we're told the story of a woman who washed Jesus' feet with her hair, her perfume, and what else? Her tears. What was she doing? One scholar suggests she took her tear bottle and was pouring it on Jesus' feet. Like, where did she get enough tears to, like, wash his feet with tears? One scholar says it was a tear bottle. That scholar was my dad, but be that as it may. (laughs) It's great when you preach with him in the audience. Like, I'm like, where's that verse again, dad? And he just says, and then I'm like, okay, then we fact check. This woman was a prostitute. So men had objectified her. Wow, I just felt like I got 30 minutes of sleep just now. (laughs) So who knows what's going to happen in the next five minutes. But um, as we draw to a close. But this woman had been objectified, used, abused by men. She had been heartbroken by men. So she takes her tear bottle, dumps it on Jesus' feet. And like my sister Jessica, she's saying, I'm the bride of Christ. And when I give him my heart, he will take good care of it. People will break your heart. He won't. He won't. He won't. Watch this. You all know the phrase, a broken heart. Like we've all, we've all used it. Oh, my heart's broken. Do you know where that phrase came from? It's so common now, we don't even think of it as a phrase. It's just part of our vocabulary. Do you know where that phrase came from? The Bible invented it. 
that, that phrase traces the genesis of its origins back to ancient biblical Hebrew literature. So the phrase a broken heart was first used in the year 1000 BC by the psalmist in the Bible. And if God is the author of our faith, he'll also be the finisher of our faith. If he authored this book, he'll also finish the work he started in us to heal our broken hearts. He'll heal your broken heart. But you've got to turn your cares into prayers. You've got to turn your stresses into supplications. You've got to turn your worries into worship. You've got to turn your fear into faith in your Father. You've got to turn your panic into praise. And then a peace that surpasses all understanding will guard your heart and your mind through Christ Jesus. Give him your heart. The Bible says the Lord is near to the brokenhearted, which is so ironic because when we're brokenhearted, we say he's far. The Bible says the opposite because it's not about feelings. It's about faith and facts. Hope is not hype. It's, I don't care what I feel. You are near to the brokenhearted in a special way. You are here near and dear to the brokenhearted. I just need an awareness of your thereness. And I didn't even preach most of this sermon for a service. Who knows what's happening? But what I'm trying to tell you, I don't know. Who knows? But what I'm trying to tell you is, so that's good for you guys who stuck around, I guess. So you're not, like, this isn't waterboarding. You're not like, oh my goodness, this is torture. Same thing. Um... This is just on my heart right now. Like, really hear me loud and clear. If God healed my heart, he can heal yours. He'll take really good care of your heart. But let me just tell you, everything is about the presence. That's it. Either the presence of God is real and that is all that matters, or the presence of God isn't real and nothing matters at all. When you pour your tears in his presence, say, help. You know what people, you'll get healed. You know what people ask me all the time? Ben, how do I pray? Say, okay, do you know how to talk? Yes, great. That's how you pray. I don't know why we think, oh, Holy Father, in the name of Jesus. If that's how you talk, like that's how you talk to your friends, fine. Like, I don't know. I don't say to my, hey, my friend Cody, can I ride your scooter? I don't do that. I'm just like... You're chill with the Almighty. Your best is with the Maker. Jesus said, I don't call you servants. I call you friends. Come boldly to the throne of grace. Like, you, you, know what, you know what's healed me? Watch this. This is sick. In Philippians, it says that when you pray with thanksgiving, supplication, and requests, God will give a peace to guard your heart and mind that bypasses your understanding, surpasses it. Research has now found, scientists have now showed us that when you talk to God about your hopes, your fears, and your dreams, it has the same effect on your brain as therapy. <laughs> I don't know if you've ever been to a bad therapist before. I've been to, I've been to therapy before, and like, I'm like, you're quoting the book at me, dude. I like read nonstop. Like, that's, I just love reading. I can't get enough books. So he's like, he calls me little Ben. I'm like, okay, that was a Freudian move right there. What are we going to do? Sigmund Freud, like Oedipus complex, daddy issues, the Adler power grabs, like logotherapy from Viktor Frankl. Like, what are we, are, are we going to go like hi, the cyclothymia, hyperthymia, dysthymia, ADD, ADHD, SAD? Like, where are we going? And he's like quoting the book at me and I'm like an object. Great guy. It just didn't work for me. And listen, Isaiah says, God is a wonderful counselor. and his therapy's free. <laughs> like, you don't have to... I agree, no, no, listen, listen. I'm all for good counselors, understand. Like, I'm for... I do think... I will say this, because I'm delirious. I think this. Uh, when we prescribe medications to people, like, I, I think for some people it works. I think people have to pray about it. But what I do say is this. We need to start brain scanning people, because if we keep... Why do, why do antidepressants sometimes work and sometimes don't? It's because... 
we have to guess and we're throwing darts in the dark. Like we don't, we're not brain scanning people. So we're just, maybe this will work. But, but what, what science has showed us is that when you brain scan people who pray, this is insane. This is like secular science. It's called neurotheology. When you brain scan somebody who prays, if he prays or she prays to a loving God and meditates on a loving God, what, what happens to that person is they have richer, thicker gray matter developed in their prefrontal cortex, which is the part of your brain responsible for creative thinking, focus, uh, concentration, cognition, um, the overall planning of the ship. Also, you have more blood flow to your interior cingulate cortex, which is the part of your brain responsible for empathy, compassion, warm and fuzzy feelings, feeling safe with God. And you actually are nicer to other people if you believe God's nice and loving because how you perceive God dictates how you receive from God. And you can't put someone on your hit list who you put on your prayer list. <laughs> Conversely, if you believe God's angry at you and you meditate on an angry God, then you have a higher activity in your amygdala, which is the rat brain, lizard brain, they say that responds to threats and it's the part of fear and anger and you'll be more angry and fearful. So like when you go into the presence of God, brain scans show us what you think about God when you meditate on him actually causes different blood flow to happen to various and sundry regions of your brain. So when Paul said, be transformed by the renewing of your mind, when he said, take your thoughts captive, when it says, you will, Isaiah 26, 3, you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you. Science is like, oh yeah, the Bible was right. It's true. It's true. Go to him. Yes, counseling can be good. We need good counselors, especially people who brain scan people. We, 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 I have friends that I talk to when I'm hurting, but, but you have a friend that sticks closer than a brother. You, you, have a, you have a God who wants to talk to you. How nuts is that? That we get it, like the God who created the strong and weak nuclear force. Like the weak nuclear force controls radioactive decay. The strong nuclear force binds together the atomic nuclei. Uh, electromagnetism, which binds together molecules. Gravity, which binds together bulk matter. It's all infinitely condensed in a size smaller than a sugar cube in the initial singularity at the beginning of time. It then explodes into existence and a Higgs field's created because atoms are 99.9% .9 empty space. And if you take all the empty space on all the atoms in the universe, the universe will fit inside a sugar cube. So Einstein said, when our quantum particles rub up against this Higgs field, they slow down from light speed to accrue mass. So suddenly in God, we live and move and have our being. And we look around it like an albatross bird that can literally fly 25 miles per hour while sleeping. And you taste in and out animal style fries, which tastes like hope feels. And you're like, what is this what is this thing God made all of this and he's like I want to talk to you I want to heal your broken heart draw near to me I'll draw near to you I'm as close to you as your very breath and we're like spending 14 years on our phone 14 years I didn't make that up that's true <laughs> like really think about this I, I this is a totally different message so I hope you're doing okay are we, doing, are we doing, I have like three minutes. Are we okay? Okay, listen. Are you ready? For, so when you die, you're gonna be on your deathbed and you know what you'll have done with literally 14 years of your life? Wherever I put this, this. Now I, I get, I use this, I, I like wrote Optimisfits from my phone. So I get that sometimes we, we need it. But here, everyone wonders, why are we so anxious and depressed? It's because humans can't live peaceably with robots. These things mastered us. When you get text likes and notifications, it releases a dopamine loop in your brain, which is the same thing that happens when you gamble. You don't know if you're going to win or you're going to lose. 
And so when you hear the, you don't know if it's a win or a loss, like good text, bad text, nice email, bad email. So you have to look. So it keeps you addicted. And so all these parents are like, why are our kids addicted? It's there's chemicals happening in your brain. They're getting addicted to their phone, just like people get addicted to gambling. It's the same exact thing. It's a dopamine loop. And so what happens is we get so addicted to this thing and we, get, we wonder why we're so anxious because we're comparing our behind the scenes with other people's highlight reels at unfair intervals and I'm watching you party when I'm stuck at a red light, but you're watching the highlight of my day when you're alone in your room at night swiping. And so, so we wonder like why we're so anxious and depressed and all the while God's like, come. My message today is, is not this, it's this. I'm trying to invite you into the presence because when you come into the presence, that is where everything is. Do you want to know what staved off my panic attacks to me from depression? Literally just walking and talking to God about my girl problems, about financial stuff, about that guy. God, can you believe what that guy said? That was really dumb. God's like, Ben, you gossiped. I can't believe it. I'm so scandalized. He said that about you? God's not like, oh my gosh, I didn't know. You can gossip to God. He's like fully aware. I'm sorry, I spit on you guys. But Jesus spit on people and healed them. So if you have the cold, you know, you never know. I have one minute. So what do I want to say at the end? You're like, oh, Ben, if I like go just talk to God, like walk and talk to God, people will think I'm nuts. Put a Bluetooth in your ear. People will think you're talking on the phone. It's like, who cares? Come into the presence. That's where the hope is. It's where everything is. Contrary to hope. You think all is lost, and all the while, the Father says, it's an invitation. Can I say one last thing? I taught this last Monday night. It's my favorite chapter at the moment. Ezekiel, it gives me chills. Ezekiel 47, read it if you want to just get your trans-rational, psycho-spiritual transcendence. Ezekiel's walking along a river, and a river, it's, you can't read it with Western mind. You got to switch off your brain and turn on your spirit. So he's like walking along a river that's flowing from a temple. And the water's up to his ankles, and then it gets a little more serious, and it goes up to his knees, and it gets up to his waist, and then it's, it gets so deep that he can't cross it. The presence of God was in the temple, and that's where the water flows. And this is what I really want for you. Because I've been speaking, I mean, I gave my first sermon in third grade. I've been speaking regularly since 16 years old. I became a pastor my senior year of high school. So I'm going crazy. Like, and I, I, I live on airplanes right now. So I don't really care if this is the coolest message or the most polished one. I want you to get something. Like, I'm not messing around. That's why I'm here. I want you to get something. And here's what I want you to get. If you need hope, then what you do is you stop playing in the shallows. And just see how deep this thing goes. Get swept away by the river. Go so deep in the presence that you get lost. And then your heart's healed. And that's what it says. These waters heal. It actually says they heal the lands. And I want you to just not be, not be like ankle deep in your spirituality, not just knees or waist. He says, son of man, come into the place where it's you're in over your head. And that should be life. The meaning of life, since we're here, we might as well say it, is to enjoy the joy of being enjoyed by God and just invite other people in. 
And when you have the presence, you have everything. And then it's not like my goal in life is to work 40 hours a week for 40 years to retire on 40% of my income, get my 401k, my dog name spot, my 2.5 kids, my timeshare here in Thousand Oaks, get my golf cart, toll around for 2.5 years in my golf cart, then claim my spot in the cemetery. And the dash between my birthday and my death day is 14 years on my phone. If you're like, yeah, not my vibe. American dream, American nightmare. I want to do something else. <laughs> if you say I want to do something else, invest time in the presence. My family's been through stuff. You know, what's, you know what saved us? Him. Him. Say, I don't know what to pray. Do you know how to talk? Fantastic. Say, I'm kind of running out of stuff to talk about. Watch this. He prays through us with breaths that cannot be uttered. Groanings that cannot be uttered. I love when Paul said, pray without ceasing. You're like, how can I do that? You've been doing it all day, dude. <laughs> all through the day. Every time you breathe, you're saying the name of God. And whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. What you need is more of an awareness of the presence. Totally different message, but I think it's for you guys. I do. I think this one was for you guys. That happened to come to second service. Go into the presence. It's everything. It's everything. It's everything. Let's pray. Three minutes over. I think we're okay. Lord, you're so good. We love you so much. I pray that this group would just go in over their heads in the healing waters, that out of our belly would gush forth torrents of living waters. This we speak of the Holy Spirit. And I pray that in you, we would find our hope. As great as self-help books can be, as great as motivational speakers can be, I pray that our ultimate origin and wellspring and source of hope would be found in your presence. We love you. Thank you for this group. What a great group of people. Bless them, Lord. In Jesus' name, let's stand. Amen. Hey, thank you for tuning in today to another message from Atmosphere Church. If this message has spoken to your heart, would you take a moment and share it with your friends? You can connect with us on YouTube, iTunes Podcast, Facebook, Twitter, and even on Instagram. Simply do a search for Atmosphere Church through these various platforms and click either the follow or subscribe buttons. It's another great way for us to be able to stay connected with you. And until next time, we pray you'll keep the faith, spread the hope, and live the love. God bless you.